Good afternoon and welcome to Community Focus at JJY. I'm Ken Thomas along with Tess Taylor and today we're going to talk about COVID and its effects on our area health systems. Our guests today, Dr. Peter Henry, Chief Medical Officer at Essentia Health, Dr. Christine Albrecht, Chief Medical Officer at Lakewood Health System, and Dr. Rob Westine, the Chief Medical Officer at Cuyuna Regional Medical Center. First of all, doctors, welcome to Community Focus. Welcome and thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's uh, kind of talk about, because we, we continue to see stories in the news, but let's talk about our local health systems. And uh, Dr. Peter Henry, let's start with you. Uh, give us a little state of the state. What's happening at Essentia? Um, the numbers are not good after I, I, I know we saw a grim milestone this morning in the state, but let's talk about local. Well, Essentia Health, like uh, the other health systems that are represented on this call, they are stretched to and beyond capacity at times. Uh, we continue to have very high volumes of patients, both COVID-related and non-COVID-related. We continue to see a significant percentage of our hospitalized patients that are COVID. We, can, we are, are struggling with staffing, and a lot of people have attributed that to you know, um, COVID mandates and some of the others, but really uh, it's about the retirement to the great exodus and we know that every industry right now is struggling for staffing, uh, but we have had a, such a resilient staff that have gone above and beyond to meet the needs of the patients that we serve, and, and uh, that will continue to go on. We have a phenomenal staff. And we need to help support them by taking care of ourselves. <laughs> Correct. Mm-hmm. Everything you can do to stay out of the hospital and prevent yourself from getting COVID, if you get COVID early, get tested. If you have symptoms, don't attribute it to seasonal allergies or just a cold. Uh, get tested and get treatment uh, such as monoclonal antibody early that can help prevent you from having to go to the hospital or be hospitalized. Uh, right now, if you're severely ill with COVID and you get on a ventilator, you know most people will come to a hospital and stay a couple of days with some illnesses. This isn't the case with COVID. People will be on ventilators sometimes weeks at a time. And so it's a completely different type of illness than what we're typically experiencing. Wow. And we have right now 10 out of our 10 beds uh, in the ICU at capacity and with ventilated patients, people that are on ventilators. Wow. Uh, Dr. Hartning. <laughs> Dr. Albrecht, uh, tell us about the situation at Lakewood Health System. You know, I'm just going to reiterate a little bit of what uh, Dr. Henry said. You know, we, we are way more busy than normal. Our hospital has been full. Uh, we've had to, you know, limit some things. Uh, things that we normally wouldn't have to, like uh, some inpatient surgeries, screening colonoscopies, collective inductions uh, for obstetrics, just because we have been so full and not had a bed available in our hospital. Hmm. We have uh, over, you know, over half of our patients, most of the time are COVID positive, and that's really put a strain on our, on our system. Wow. And the staff, I'm guessing, are, are burning out. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Dr. Westine at uh, Cuyuna Regional Medical Center, I'm sure you have the same story to tell, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have a protective shield over here, for sure. But same same thing, running at capacities we haven't seen for prolonged periods of time, uh, stretching staff um, and facilities to, um, you know, really... Uh, stressful levels, but certainly providing the care that people need. And, you know, one of the things I think Dr. Henry mentioned, but we still are taking care of COVID, 
So we definitely want people to know that the uh, importance of getting the health care that you need to prevent further problems down the road. So whether that's preventive health, whether that's, uh, you know, coming in for what you think might just be something minor, but it could be something more serious, chest pain, things like that. We definitely have the emergency room uh, capacity to take care of that. But the uh, volumes that we're seeing across the state make it challenging to uh, do some of the other things, uh, like Dr. Albrecht mentioned. So we, too, have limited um, some elective procedures and elective-type hospital things, um, but are still doing the best we can to take care of patients, especially, you know, in our area. Pe- people are trying to get these things done before they head south, and and uh, this is not a typical year, but we're still trying to do that for them as best we can. So. Um, That is one of the things that uh, has been a challenge, but like uh, Pete said, we're just doing, our staff is doing great things to uh, accommodate and coming up with new and creative ways to provide care and and getting people in and out of the hospital and things like that. Um, But one thing that wasn't mentioned that I would maybe bring up that I think is always a question we hear is, well, what are you seeing for COVID? Is it it certain demographics or certain... uh, factors. And I think one of the big things that we can definitely say with confidence, even though it's not um, necessarily good news, but that the the non-vaccinated patients are making up at least two-thirds to three-quarters of the patients we're seeing in the hospital that get really sick. So it's not to say you can't get sick if you've been vaccinated, but certainly the numbers are such that if we could expand the vaccination um, numbers, we would see our total hospital numbers down. And that that's a big factor, I think, in what we hope to get across is the message that the vaccines are still an important uh, tool in fighting this this pandemic. Uh, that was my that was my next. Well, I'm sorry, I was going to say that was my next question for all of you. If you wanted to address that uh, uh, vaccinated versus unvaccinated, the, the numbers, I'm sure, are similar as to what Dr. Westine just mentioned. That's exactly right, Ken. And it's uh, it's seen all across this country. The data is overwhelming that uh, the great majority of the people that are severely ill in our hospitalized setting are people who are unvaccinated. Or those breakthrough cases in people who are vaccinated are typically due to those individuals that have a compromised immune system. They don't mount the typical response, the antibody response that you get from the vaccine. So these are people that are undergoing cancer treatments. They have underlying immune disorders. They're very elderly and don't mount response. So it's very unusual for us to have an otherwise young, healthy, or even a middle-aged to slightly older individual who's fully vaccinated, has their booster, that ends up ends up in the hospital with COVID-related complications. It's those individuals that are immune compromised that end up uh, in the great majority of the time, or mm-hmm. as uh, Dr. Westine said, the unvaccinated individuals. For those that say I have been that completely, um, that in our hospital, we, we have not had a super sick vaccinated patient. We have only had those unless they were you know early on before we had great treatments uh we had some nursing home patients that lost their lives but otherwise right now in the last few months it has only been the unvaccinated that have been super sick in our hospital obviously that's not everywhere but from what i from what we're seeing here that is really the case It emphasizes, again, the importance of not only getting the vaccinations, but for those that have had their first two shots, that booster is very important right now, is it not? It is, and it's uh, they've been drawn, especially with the Omicron or the Omicron, however you want to pronounce it, variant that the booster is uh, very effective. 
Omicron is very contagious, uh, even more so than the Delta variant that was the predominant variant in the country recently. In the very near future, within weeks, uh, the Omicron or Omicron is going to be the prominent variant, but it's still the vaccines, all of them that are currently available are very effective against severe disease and hospitalization and death. Hmm. I know there is vaccine available now that has been approved for children. Uh, Is that a factor in this? I would say absolutely. If we can get those 5 to 12-year-olds now vaccinated, that just helps reduce our spread. And, you know, it's true that children in general don't get as sick from it, but COVID is still the fifth leading cause of death in that 5 to 12-year-old range right now. And we do need to get those kids protected and by protecting them, we're protecting the entire family. They're, they're, if they have COVID and they visit grandma and grandpa or anyone with an autoimmune condition or immunocompromising condition and give them COVID, that could really get those people sick. So we need to protect everyone. And for folks who question, you know, is it safe for children? It has been proven safe for that age group. I think without question, you know, early on, the messenger RNA vaccines uh, there was concern about that. The J&J is what's called a viral vector vaccine, which technology has been around for several decades. But the messenger RNA technology has actually been studied back to the original SARS outbreak back in 2001. Um, but now we've had literally hundreds of millions of doses of this vaccine that we've been able to study and show that its efficacy is great, but it's also its safety is phenomenally great. It's one of the safest vaccines ever brought to market. And the the old adage that we don't know what the long-term side effects are, we've been using this vaccine now for a full year. The anniversary of that was on December 14th, the first vaccine given in the United States. And I think we just need to impress this, what Dr. Albrecht said. The children, although they don't typically get severe disease, they are key vectors for uh, transmission to older individuals, grandparents, et cetera. And that's, those, those people are still at great risk. Mm-hmm. What about the folks that have said, oh, I already had it. It wasn't that bad. I'm okay. What do you say to them who don't want to get the vaccine? Well, I think we know that any infection provides some degree of immunity when you have it or right after you have it. But as with everything, that immunity wanes. And so the the ability to have the infection doesn't protect you long term. And we don't know whether that means six weeks or three months or nine months or what. But chances are by six months, the studies definitely say that immunity is not very protective. So having had the infection does not mean you're... Um, not going to potentially be either a vector for spreading it to others or that you couldn't get sick yourself. So still getting vaccinated in that age or in that population is important. And I think just the early studies on Omicron have shown that its propensity to reinfect individuals who have had prior COVID infection is clearly there. Uh, they typically don't get as sick. Uh, similarly, if you're fully vaccinated and had your booster, you don't get as sick. But it's important to note that you can still get infected and transmit, and that's why it's important to continue to get the vaccine, uh, get tested early, wear a mask in public, et cetera. And I I was going to say, some of the data I've seen uh, implies that if you had a case of COVID and then got the vaccine, you're actually in one of the highest protected categories. Is that true? Yeah, that seems to be what the studies show. I think it was out of Israel they showed that uh, very well. Um, And it makes sense. I mean, you have the 
potential antibody protection from the infection that you carried, and then you get a booster that hits a different little bit of an angle. So there's also some potential benefit in getting a booster vaccine of a different type, you know, the Moderna versus the Pfizer, if you had Pfizer early on. So, I mean, that's those are different parts of this, different nuances of this that I think we're learning, but the basic principles are the same. Immunization works. It's a, it's probably the most important tool in the toolbox, and uh, boosters now are going to be helpful. And, you know, the boosters we have now are uh, definitely proving to be beneficial, even with the new variant, even though the new variant has special skills of its own, too, you know, or, or traits. So I think that's what we're going to see. Uh, I'll ask another question, too, because we uh, we kind of alluded to this uh, last year. Uh, we didn't see much influenza. This year will be a different story. So that's another vaccine that we should be getting uh, the uh, the uh, flu shot. Dr. Albrecht, maybe you want to address that. Absolutely. I think it's super important this year to get your influenza vaccine. We're seeing influenza A cases right now. We've heard that in the Twin Cities. It's becoming quite prevalent. Um, and if you get COVID and influenza at the same time, we're really worried that these people are going to be very, very ill. Um, You can get your influenza vaccine and your COVID booster or your original COVID vaccine at the same time. You don't even have to spread them out. So you can make this convenient and just get yourself protected. Very good. Um, I think the other thing I would emphasize along that line is what I think it was Dr. Henry said initially, is that one of the key parts of this, which makes total common sense, it's just that I think we lose that in the whole political uh, arena that we're in. But when you're sick or you have a child that's sick, whether it's, oh, it's just a runny nose, it's just a cold, um, they might have have something. Don't go to the event that you have planned. You know, have your kids stay home that day or or protect yourself. Either have them mask more diligently, whereas maybe they wouldn't be masking as diligently. But those are just common sense ways that we individually can prevent both the flu and COVID and whatever respiratory viruses are going around that just cloud the picture. Um, if you end up with a febrile illness with a cough and congestion and it's not COVID, you're going to end up getting tested and everything anyway, potentially too. So if you can avoid those colds and things by just common sense measures of not going to your event when you're sick or having your child go when they're sick, it'll just cut down in general how much we have to deal with these things. In fact, I know uh, they had talked about there was a bit of a spike after Thanksgiving. So as we approach Christmas, again, very important to heed uh, what Dr. Westine just said. And also, it's probably good to to utilize the common sense uh, protection that you talked about. Even with our own family, um, even if we're vaccinated, is it wise to wear masks? And and certainly, if you have that runny nose, not attend. Yeah, I mean, I, I sorry, Christine, I'll just step in because I started it. But I, I think more probably more than masking in your own house, maybe, but just common sense. If you're, I mean, I've had a, a child that was sick in the last week or two, and we're just trying to relatively isolate that child. They're not necessarily sitting at the same. Uh, place in the table, maybe a little bit further away. They might not be spending as much time with their sibs, you know, in the evening watching a movie, right, sitting on the couch together, things like that. Um, just common sense, I think, would would certainly help. Wearing a mask, yeah, if, if you can uh, 
get your family to do that at events, I think that would be a great opportunity to cut down the risk that you're going to spread infection amongst yourselves. And you can still potentially get together and mitigate that risk some. So I think there's different ways we can do it. And certainly, I'm sorry, go ahead, doctor. I would just add to that, that, you know, the the state puts out these tests that you can get mailed to your house and you could actually test yourself and make sure that you don't have COVID before you go to a Christmas gathering. And that might help us mitigate some of this uh, significantly as we travel this season. And last but not least, I know there's a lot of Christmas concerts and other events that take place this time of the year, certainly um, common sense going to these. Wear a mask if you're in an in a auditorium. Correct. I, I, mean, I can't emphasize enough to get tested early, as Dr. Westine had talked about. Don't just assume it's an allergy or, or, or cold. And if you're sick, stay home. And, you know, the, the guidance from the CDC and the Minnesota Department of Health has been very consistent. Masking makes a difference. We knew that, and it's clear uh, in the, the uh if you just look at the statistics around influenza last year, it was almost non-existent, and so, so were many other seasonal viruses. But this is this isn't just vaccines. It's really about early testing. It's about wearing masks in public at this point in time. I know people are tired of that, but if you're sick, masks do decrease the risk of transmission to other individuals, and that's really what it's all about. Our health systems are are taxed, and our staff is tired, and they they need the help of the public and it's multifaceted it's vaccination boosters masking in public early testing and if you're sick and ill stay home uh, it's the same thing that's been done years for years and years and it, and it doesn't change mm-hmm. wow well i i don't know that uh, we can offer any other advice that kind of sums it up i mean we really need to uh, stop looking at Facebook. I'm sure we could check any one of your websites to find great information about where we can get vaccinated. And we know these vaccines are safe. We just need to get people on board and do this, don't we? We, we do. You know, the cases in the United States just in the last 14 days have gone up 40 percent. That's clearly a spike coming after Thanksgiving. Deaths are 34 percent. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, 500 people a day in this country were dying. Right now, 1,300 people a week, excuse me, a day, are dying. A day. And people's behavior is not what it was when the pandemic was there. We were isolating ourselves. We were masking. I go into public places. Now nobody's wearing a mask Mm -hmm. uh, except myself and maybe my spouse. And uh, right now, hospitalizations are up 21% in the last 14 days. And we are in a crisis or near crisis situation. And we need everybody to do the things we've been talking about for the last 15 minutes. Uh, this has to be a community effort, uh, and that is in support of these people that are go to work every day and dedicate their lives to save lives. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yep. Well, we want to say thank you for being here today to share this uh, very important information with our listeners and to let them know that you know, your staffs are taxed, the hospitals are full, and we all need to do our part is what it boils down to, it sounds like. Yep. So thank you for taking time out to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Our guests today include Dr. Peter Henry. He is the Chief Medical Officer at Essentia Health. Dr. Christine Albrecht, Chief Medical Officer at Lakewood Health System. And Dr. Rob Westine, Chief Medical Officer at Cuyuna Regional Medical Center. 
I'm Ken Thomas, along with Tess Taylor. That is today's edition of Community Focus. We remind you that Community Focus programs can be found on our website. You can listen to them there. Go to 1067wjjy.com. You can also listen through our free downloadable app, which is powered by Cuyuna Regional Medical Center.